Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. But with that in mind, we are going to get straight into things this morning as we continue part three of our series called As It Is In Heaven. Repeat after me, As It Is In Heaven. Fantastic. This is a series about the Kingdom of God. Jesus Himself spoke about and His mission was about the Kingdom of God. And as we've already touched on, the Kingdom of God in its simplest, purest form is the rule of God. It's the reign of God. The disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? And this is what Jesus said. When it comes to our prayer, we should pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your Name. May Your Kingdom come and may Your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' mission and His message was the Kingdom of God. It was about bringing the Kingdom of God to planet Earth. All the good things that are happening in heaven, Jesus wants us to experience here on planet Earth. And so in week one, we looked at the culture of the Kingdom. Last week, we looked at Kingdom living. Week one, Kingdom culture. Week two, Kingdom living. And you can watch and or listen to these messages again and you can get them into the hands of your family members or friends because this series really is a game changer. I believe it sets us up for a win in life if we understand the Kingdom of God and Kingdom principles. With that in mind, with that in mind, we're gonna continue today and the subtitle of my message is this, Kingdom Freedom. Everyone say Freedom. Freedom. Freedom's a beautiful, wonderful thing. In Romans chapter 7, verse 6, it says this, But now we have been released. I love that thought. We've been released from the law, for we died with Christ. And we are no longer captive to its power. This is good news, church. This is what the Gospel is all about. The work that Jesus Christ came to setting His people free. We have been released and this is good news. And now we can really serve God, but not in the old way by obeying the letter of the law, but in a new way by the Spirit. This is good news as citizens of heaven. And we've been singing about that. That was a great section, a selection of songs today. We are citizens of heaven. We have a newfound freedom. The Bible says that we've been released from the curse of the law. We've been released by the, the grip that the law had on us. We've been released today by the debt hanging over our head. I want you to imagine for a moment, if someone came up to you and said, I wanna pay off your mortgage, whatever the debt you owe on your house, I wanna pay it off. Maybe some of you don't have a mortgage because you don't have a home. Imagine someone coming up to you and say, I wanna buy you a home so that you are debt free. I know this to be true. There would be a weight off your shoulders. There would be a lightness that you would experience and you would experience a newfound freedom as that debt was lifted off your life. Essentially, that's what Jesus Christ came to do, to take the debt off us, to take the weight off us, to take the uh, pressure off of us and bring us into a newfound freedom. And this is good news. And that's what Jesus did when He died on the cross for us. You see, His death 
was a substitute for our sin. I remember many years ago when I was playing soccer for Para Hills Knights. They weren't called the Knights back then. That name came later. It was just the Para Hills Soccer Club, which is just up the road. And uh, we did okay. And we got to the, the grand final of the cup round. And so we met Adelaide City in the grand final and we played at night under lights at Highmark Stadium. And as a 16-year-old, that was a big deal. You'd love this pastor down in. There was lots of Italians there and there was lots of English there. It's kind of like, it was like England versus Italy. It was just, it was kind of, it was, it was game on. And uh, there was a great little crowd there, which was awesome. And I was right into uh, sign writing and I made this sign. I'll never forget it. A real long banner. It said, para power. That, and I wrote it all and my family were there waving this, this massive banner, which was awesome, which got ripped to shreds by the opposition. This is, anyway, that's a, that's a whole other thing. Whole nother thing. And, and so we start playing and, and we go up a goal and then they equalise and then we got two goals and that's 3 1. And then uh, they got another goal and it's 3 2 and it's getting very late in the game. And uh, I go in for this tackle and the opposition lands this nasty tackle on my leg and, and I, uh, Sprig goes into my leg, tears my leg. Uh, and for me, I'm rolling on the floor and I know you think you're a typical soccer player, but. <laughs> But this was the real deal. I mean, there was gushy, blood gushing out. There was a bone stick. No, not quite. But, <laughs> but the bottom line is, it wasn't something the magic spray could fix. You know, the whole magic spray. And just, no, no. I actually got taken off the ground. I couldn't go on. I got taken to hospital. It had stitches. It was a real deal. It wasn't, it wasn't a magic spray thing. It wasn't something like Matt Barnes would do rolling around. This was the real... <laughs> This was the real deal. This was the real deal. And the coach realised I couldn't go on and so I was substituted. The good news is we held on, we won the game and by way of association of me being part of the team, I got the trophy and we were cut round winners. Under 16 cut round winners. And that's awesome. You can clap. That's amazing. Just... There's only one hero, remember, there's only one hero. Just... <laughs> I was substituted. But that's essentially what Jesus did for us. We couldn't help ourselves. We couldn't go on. We all have struggles. And they're in different areas. But essentially, we were unable to help ourselves. The Bible says that we couldn't live up to God's holiness. We couldn't live up to His holy standard. Every one of us, the Bible says, has fallen short of His holy standard. Every one of us fallen short of His glory, the Bible says. And Jesus recognised, you know, that they need help. And so He stepped in where we were unable to help ourselves. Just as I was substituted and someone took my place, Jesus took our place and paid a price that you and I could not pay in order for us to end up on the winning side this is the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, God is too holy to ignore sin, but He's too loving to ignore people. He can't ignore sin. If God ignored sin, He wouldn't be a just God. Can you imagine someone murdering someone you love or someone murdering anyone for that matter and a judge just winking, ah, you can go free. Now we say, that's, that's unjust. Now God had to deal with the injustice but He has such a deep desire to be connected with people out of His love that He has for people. He came up with a beautiful plan for humanity to save us by way of substitution.
And Jesus took the punishment that we deserved. This, this sin that we were guilty of comes with a death sentence. All of us were deserving of death, but Jesus said, I, I will pay the price. I will die on their behalf that they may live. God, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The word gospel simply means good news. And that's what it is. It is good news. And as believers today, we should walk around with a smile on our face, a spring in our step, joy in our heart because of the good news that you and I have found a newfound freedom. We are now free from the condemnation and curse of the law. We are free from accusation. When the enemy wants to accuse us that you're not good enough. Have you ever heard those words? You're not good enough. Sometimes it comes as an inner thought. Sometimes it comes as an accusation from other people. Well, that is simply not true. As sons and daughters of the living God, we can stand confidently and say, that is not true. Take it up with Jesus. We are free from Condemnation, we are free from accusation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says it this way. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom with a capital F. John chapter 8, verse 36 says it this way. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There is a freedom that can be only found in Christ. Paul, one of the great apostles, writes in Ephesians chapter one and tells us that this freedom comes. Why? Because we've been adopted, we've been chosen, we've been accepted, we are loved and we are forgiven. I mean, if you wanna do some good reading tonight, just grab the book of Ephesians, read Ephesians chapter one and you'll see the incredible privileges that we have as citizens of heaven. We've been chosen. We've been adopted into His family. We've been forgiven of all of our sins, past, present and future. And all of these things should bring a smile to our face and experience a newfound freedom in God. This is the good news. In light of this freedom, I have a question this morning. What are we gonna do with this newfound freedom? That's the question every Christian faces. We come into a new freedom and now how do we live? What are we gonna do with this newfound freedom? And I think there's many of us aren't quite sure what to do with the newfound freedom. But the Bible is very clear of how we should handle our freedom. Are we gonna, how are we gonna use this freedom? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is what I've noticed as a pastor. And I know a lot of other pastors have experienced and noticed the same thing. That during this COVID pandemic, people have had, long-term church members have had a COVID conversion. They've had a conversion over the COVID season and period. In other words, they've been using this freedom, this newfound freedom to stay at home. And while in lockdown, that was understandable because we couldn't do anything else and we couldn't go anywhere else. But as lockdown was lifted, people have experienced a newfound freedom and thought, you know what, this, this will now do me. And so they've chosen to use their freedom just to stay home and at best watch online and maybe not even that anymore. 
And one of the catch cries I've heard is that people feel so free, it's like they've been born again, again. I don't know if you've heard that in this season or maybe you've even said it in this season that I feel so free. I feel born again, again. But if you've been a Christian for a while and you've been in church leadership and Danny, Pastor Danny will uh, verify this, we've heard that cliche and that catch cry many times throughout our years in ministry. People feel like they've been born again, again. And this is what Paul was addressing because the church was starting to use their freedom to indulge in the sinful nature, to do what the flesh wants to do. And let's be honest. And I gotta be honest with you. I understand why people wanna stay at home. It's not that I don't get it, I get it. Because when you have a beautiful sunny day and you love the beach as much as I do, the thought of not going to church and going to the beach is very appealing. I get it. I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm not here to point the finger. That's my battle. You say, well, that's your battle. It's my battle too. But here's the other side. In the dead of winter when it's cold and warm, the bed is nice and warm, I also don't wanna go to church because the bed's nice and warm and who wants to get all cold just to go to church? And if that's where you're at, again, I get it. I'm not here to point the finger. We are in this journey together. I get it. And this is what Paul was addressing because some of the church were just choosing to use their newfound freedom to do whatever it is that they wanted to do. And Paul says, no, no, you're missing the point. This newfound freedom that we have should be used in ways that you're presently not using them. Can you imagine going back to my illustration, if someone actually paid off your mortgage, you have no debt, but you would like to think that you would be forever indebted out of gratitude toward that person. You wouldn't think that you'd ever have a bad thing to say about that person. You think you'd be willing to help them at any time because the debt you have is to them out of gratitude. And so Paul's trying to remind them that yes, we have a freedom, but let's use our freedom wisely and not use it to do whatever we wanna do. You might say, I'm as free as a bird. But can I let you in on a little secret? Not even a bird is that free. A bird is subject to the elements. A bird is subject to predators. A bird has to hunt for its food. It has to build nests. It has to look after its young ones. Do you know a bird's work is never done? (laughs) I I imagine when people say, I'm as free as a bird, these birds are going, they don't know how hard it is to be a bird. I've got all these responsibilities. I can't just do whatever I want to do. I can't just, people think I can just fly, I want to do whatever I want. No, I've got responsibilities. I think I'm speaking on behalf of every bird today. (laughs) We have responsibilities like the birds. But we are free. But the question is, how are we going to use that freedom? And I want to suggest that we're free but we're not free to do whatever we want. I want you to imagine just for a moment, someone who is released from prison. The moment they walk out of those doors, guess what? They're free. They're free from incarceration. They're free from their jail cell. They are truly free. But they can't just enter society and do whatever they wanna do. If they enter or re-enter society and do whatever they wanna do, guess what? 
they'll probably end up right back where they started, in jail again. I, I think, I speak on behalf of all of us, when someone comes out of jail, it is hoped that they will return to society and behave as a reformed citizen. This is what Paul was addressing. As citizens of heaven, we are transformed citizens. In other words, we're not just reformed, but we are transformed. Paul said we've been transformed by the Spirit of God. In other words, God gave us a pattern and the power to accomplish His will here on planet Earth. And in order for us to accomplish this pattern, He first set us free. He sets us free for a purpose. And that purpose can be fulfilled by following His pattern, which is found in the Word of God, and through the power of the Spirit. And this is the good news this morning. And so when it comes to this newfound freedom, other new things come with it. And I wanna go through four very quickly this morning. And hopefully this will liberate us and give us understanding uh, and a balance between what true freedom is, but also the responsibilities we have. And the first one is this, we get a new obligation. With this new freedom comes a new obligation. New freedoms bring new responsibilities. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 says it this way, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if we live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. As Christians, you and I have an obligation to Christ and to His church. We can't just do whatever we want when we want to do it. See, as a husband, I have an obligation to my wife. As a father, I have an obligation to my children. And as a Christian, I have an obligation to Christ, who is my husband. We are the bride of Christ and we have an obligation to Him. I'll never forget when Jordan was first born. We brought this new, brand new baby back home from the hospital and that's an exciting time. But I've got to be honest with you, I mentioned Kath and I dated for eight years before we got married. And we were married for seven years before we had kids. That was a lot of time when Kath and I had just together. We didn't have to think of anyone else. We just had to look after each other. And I'll never forget this one particular night. Baby Jordan had been home from the hospital about a week. And I said to Kath, I was sitting on the couch. Jordan was obviously fast asleep. And I said to Kath, hey, it's Tuesday night. Let's go to the movies. And I stand up and I get ready to go. I mean, that was the kind of the freedom we lived in prior to babies. <laughs> Love you, Geordie. And, and Kath says, aren't you forgetting something? And I'm like, keys, glasses, money. No, no, I'm good, let's go. She says, no, aren't you forgetting something? I said, don't think so. She says, we have a baby now. <laughs> and I went, oh. <laughs> I have responsibilities. This family of ours is growing. I'm not my own anymore. I can't do whatever I want to do. I mean, we could have. Imagine that we just leave. We could have. And that's how some Christians are behaving now. They just, because they, they can, they do. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. We could have. Kath and I are free. We could have just left her. 
and hopefully come back in a few hours and hopefully she'll be okay. But who would do that? Only an irresponsible, uncaring, unloving, ungracious parent. But any loving parent would understand we have responsibilities now. We have an obligation, not only to one another, we have an obligation to Jordan. And then it gets worse, you have another child, then there's more obligation. And then you have another one, and it's more obligation. Then you're the Fangalokas, and there's five. There's all these obligations. <laughs> Congratulations, you guys. Number five. Amen. Just pray for the Fangalokas. All that pressure, all that responsibility, all those obligations. That's why some of you just stopped it too. <laughs> you see, Paul says it this way. In Ephesians chapter one, he talks about these incredible freedoms that we have these incredible privileges, these incredible throne rights that we have. I have a confidence I can go straight to the throne room of grace with confidence. That's how free I am. But in chapters four, five and six, there's a change in his tone. There's a change in his direction. Chapters one, two and three, throne rights. This is what's on offer for you. But in chapters four, he says this, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, to do. And after that, we see about husbands and wives and kids and slaves and bosses. And there's, all, there's all these rules, there's all these regulations, there's all these conditions. And both are right. But duty must be placed on good theology. And so Paul sets up the duty on beautiful, wonderful theology. Chapters one, two, and three. This is who you are. You are adopted. You are not doing any work right now to earn favour with God. You're doing work for God out of gratitude for what He's already done. We have a new obligation to Him as a prisoner of the Lord. I mentioned our kids before, but all of our kids have what I call rainbow rights. They bear the same name as Kath and I. And because they have the same name, that comes with certain privileges. It comes with certain rights. And so they don't have to ask to use the fridge. They can just use the fridge. Why? Because they're a rainbow. And it's the same with Christianity. You're a Christian. You have certain rights. And they would use the fridge and, and they would make their breakfast and, and, and they would clean out the cupboards. And, 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 and that was their right as a rainbow family member. But those rights also had responsibilities. They had to do the dishes. They had to put the bin out. They had to clean their room. They had to look after their responsibilities, rights and responsibilities. This is kingdom living. This is true kingdom freedom where we pick up and, and live in the rights but also take up our responsibilities. Does that make sense this morning? The second one is we have new convictions. Not only do we have a new obligation, but this new freedom comes with new convictions. You see, our conviction as non-Christian, our, con our conscience was seared, the Bible says. As non-Christians, our conscience was seared. But when we gave our life to Jesus, our conscience was awakened. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says it this way. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the, sinful, uh, the cravings of our sinful nature. We can all relate to that. And following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. This is what Jesus does through the Spirit. He takes the pleasure out of sin. What we used to do without even thinking about, we didn't get condemned, we didn't even think about it. Now you try and do the same thing and it's just not as much fun. 
Or it might be fun, but you just don't feel the same way about it anymore. You just can't get away with what you used to do because He changes us from the inside out. He puts a new desire in us. The Spirit convicts us when we grieve Him. John 16 verse 8 says, When the Spirit comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Yes, I've mentioned it before. We are free from condemnation, but we're not free from conviction. One of the evidences that the Spirit is actually truly with us is that we get convicted. Do you know when you do a bad thing and feel bad about that, that's a good thing. If you do a bad thing and feel bad about doing that, that's a good thing. But if you do a, good, a bad thing and feel good, that's bad. But if you do a bad thing and feel bad, that's good. I'm gonna say it again. But if you do a bad thing and feel good, there's something wrong. You know, when, when, when Jordan punches Mitchie in the head and she feels good about that, there's something, there's something wrong with you. But if you do something wrong and you feel terrible, it's like, wow, the Spirit of God's at work. When we do the wrong thing, and we all do from time to time, and we feel bad about it, that's not condemnation. That very, may very well be the Spirit of God in us saying, hey, hey, come on, you're better than that. Come on, you don't need to live like that anymore. This is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I've said this many times before, and I probably got it off, uh, off past the Danny. He loves us as we are, but He loves us too much to leave us where we are. He accepts us as we are. And again, if you've never been to a church like this before and you've never encountered the love of Jesus and you've got a past that is so checkered, you are welcome here. This is a church where you can belong before you believe. We're not asking to change anything. Jesus loves you. And as a church, we receive you as you are. But Jesus loves us too much to leave us where we are. The moment our kids were born, I fell in love with them. I even fell in love with them off the ultrasound. And that's weird because ultrasounds, it looks like you're giving birth to a baby lizard. Let's be honest. It's like, what? But I did, I fell in love with this unborn child. And, and, and to, see the, to see them born is just a beautiful, amazing thing. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't want them to stay like that. And one of the greatest joys and privileges is loving them right throughout every season, but being part of their growth, being part of the transformation that has taken place. God loves us as we are, but loves us too much to leave us as we are. Remember this, He's the God of comfort, not the God of the comfortable. He's the God of comfort. So no matter what you're facing, one of my heroes, and I know I said I shouldn't have heroes, but one of my heroes is Greg Downton, who's walking a journey. But I know as I've watched him, his circumstances haven't changed too much. If anything, sometimes they got worse. But I know he's experienced a comfort. In his uncomfortability, he's experienced a comfort. I know Pastor Danny has experienced a comfort in his uncomfortability. I know for me, in my times that are uncomfortable, and we say, get me out of here. He he doesn't want to make us comfortable. He wants to bring comfort when things are uncomfortable. And this is a beautiful thing. I saw this the other day and I thought, wow, this is so true. And maybe this is what some of you are feeling today. The inconsistent Christian suffers more than the consistent atheist. That's why Jesus said, I'd rather you hot or cold. But this lukewarm in the middle, you're just hurting yourself. You're not helping the world. You're not helping the church. You're not helping your family. 
The inconsistent Christian suffers far more than the consistent atheist. They're just out having fun. They don't even know anybody. They're just having fun. When our conscience has been seared and we know we shouldn't do it, but we keep doing it. It's just like, oh, and you, just, you just bring this torment to yourself. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's not true freedom. Jesus said it's free that we might be free indeed. Thirdly, this new freedom brings new boundaries. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I've mentioned it before, but I'll say it again. New freedoms bring new boundaries. And when it comes to boundaries, I want you to know there's some things that are wrong. There's some things that are plain wrong. If you came to me and said, hey, I'm thinking of murdering someone, I'd probably say, no, don't do that. (laughs) Depending on who it is, I might say, I'll think about it. But (laughs) no, I wouldn't. There's just some things that are wrong. And if you do that, you're going to end up in jail. You're going to get in a lot of There's some things that are just plain wrong. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to think about it. You just don't do it. There's some things that are wrong. But there's some things that aren't right or wrong. And that's where, that's where it needs the Spirit of God. That's where it needs wisdom. Because some things aren't right or wrong. Some things are just healthy or unhealthy. And this is where we need wisdom because someone can be doing something in church that is okay for them to do because it's not unhealthy for them. But someone else, if they do it, it's going to become unhealthy very quickly. So is drinking wrong? Well, I cannot categorically tell you that you should not drink because if I do that, I am changing Scripture because the Scriptures do not say that. But it does say don't get drunk. So the question is, can you have a drink and not get drunk? Some of you can. So it's not unhealthy. But some of you, you know if you have one, it will be two, it will be 10, you will get drunk. And so I would say you shouldn't probably based upon it's unhealthy for you. And if we understand this as a church, we can be the diverse church that God wants us to be instead of trying to make everyone like you. And if you're feeling God say, don't drink, don't put that onto everyone else. I think some of you in here should not drink. But that's between you and God. But not as a law, not as something that is legalistically imposed, but out of birth, out of wisdom. It's birth out of wisdom. When I was 19 years of age, I had a beer with a friend of mine. It was actually my cousin when I was in Queensland. And, and I, I like, I, I, I've always been that kind of fun guy. I like being the life of the party. And so there I was, we were out. It was, we started in a pub. We went to a nightclub. I was on his territory. I was meeting my family for the first time. I had a beer and I'm on the dance floor doing what I do. You know, I'm doing all this. <laughs> and it was fun. We're having a great time. He came down to Adelaide six months later. I introduced him to our youth group. And I, I overheard this conversation he was having with my, his newfound friends that I'd introduced him to. He said, oh, you should have seen Tony this one night. And he said, how drunk I was. I'm like, drunk? That, the alcohol, that, that's not alcohol, that's all me. <laughs> and I just got convicted by the Spirit of God. And I thought, you know what? I refuse to let alcohol get the glory for this. That's me. That's the Spirit of God. That's, that's, that's Jesus' life of the party in me. And so I didn't drink. The pastor never told me not to. My dad never told me not to. The youth pastor never told me not to. It was, a, it was a thing that God told me to. And I never put on our youth members. I never put on anyone else. It's just something God spoke to me about. And until about the age of 35, I never drank alcohol. Now I'm making up for it. No, no. <laughs> No, I didn't. 
But as a 52-year-old man, I've never been drunk. But do I drink? Yeah, I have an occasional drink. It doesn't master me. But some of you, if you're honest, you know if, if you have one, it'll get mastery over you. And I would say this, why use discipline when you can use wisdom? If you want to lose some weight, why fill your cupboards with junk food and use discipline not to eat it? Wisdom would say, just don't have junk food in the cupboard. Use wisdom. Wisdom trumps discipline. Are you with me? Some things are unhealthy and some things, some things are just unhelpful. Some things are unhealthy, some things are unhelpful. You know, I've had to, you know, some of my friendship circles have had to change over the years, not because they were bad people, it's just that they weren't good for me. And if someone's not good for me, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they're not good for me. You can be a good person, but they're just not good for you. And, and I love living in this tension where the Spirit leads you. And so now, because I realise they're not good for me, I don't have to go around pulling them down. I don't have to assassinate their character because it's got nothing to do with them. It's got everything to do with what's in me and on my life and where God wants me. Remember when Peter was feeling the pressure that we all feel? When he was talking about his future and the future that he was bringing to Peter was pretty bleak and, and Peter got nervous. He said, well, what about John? And Peter says, what about John? If I want to talk to John, I'd talk to John. In actual fact, if I don't want John to die, that's got nothing to do with you. And this is how silly human nature is. A rumour spread that John wasn't going to die. Like Jesus is like, did you miss the point? That's human nature, isn't it? Come on, band, come up here. We've got one more. One more and we're done. Number four, we get a new motivation. With this new freedom comes a new motivation. One of the most well-versed scriptures in the Bible is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. In other words, he didn't have to. He just wanted to. Why? Because love changes you. Sean Laws right now is in love. And it has changed him. I've known Sean for many years. I've never seen him like this before. The boy is in love. And as a pastor, I love young love. I love people being in love. I, I celebrate it. I love it. And this, is, this, this teasing is it's just, it's my endorsement. I love it. She's a beautiful girl. Is Jess. Uh, and and I, I love young love. But I love how love changes people. <laughs> Get this. Sean recently went to Darwin. Do you know how expensive it is to fly to Darwin? You can go anywhere in Australia, but if you go to Darwin, you're going to pay two to three times more. Well, Jess moved to Darwin. She lives there now. So what did Sean do? He just went up to see her just for a weekend. He went up there for a weekend. He paid an arm and a leg to see Jess for a couple of days. That's crazy. can't believe just made him do that. Well, maybe he just wanted to. Maybe he's so enamoured. Maybe he's so in love. He just wanted to. Maybe he had nothing to do with the requirements, expectations, demands. Maybe Sean just wanted to. And I've got a sneaking suspicion. I don't even know where he is. I thought he was up here. Oh, he's down there. <laughs> I could rename this thing. We'll just call it Sean. Anyway... <laughs> I got a sneaking suspicion. He just wanted to be. I don't imagine Jesse. You better come and see me. If she was, I'd say run. But sneaking suspicion is 
You just wanted to be there. And I bet with all the money you paid just to get there, I bet you bought her flowers and chocolates and you paid for her meal and you paid for her scooter ride. Even though she can ride a scooter better than you, you still paid for her. I saw this Instagram, you're like, whoa. She's like, Love changes your people. That's why I love seeing young kids. I would still go to any youth meeting. It's still one of my favourite meetings. I didn't get too many of this, but it's still my favourite. Because that's why young people fall in love with Jesus and they'll do anything for Him. Anything for Him. And then something shifts. Something shifts. I see that in Natural relationships. Walking down the aisle till death do us part. I love you. Six months later, he's a, and she's a, something shifted. But when you're in love, when you're in love, it changes your motivation from I have to to I get to. And, and these are great questions to ask ourselves. If we're starting to say, do I have to? Actually, that, that's a moment we have to start arresting ourselves and saying, hang on, Lord, What's changed? What's changed? What's changed? And that's why I love listening to worship music because it keeps the fire burning. So I love reading my Bible because it keeps the fire burning. I, contrary to popular belief, I don't come to church because I lead this church. I don't come to church because I'm a pastor. I come because I love Jesus. I'm so enamoured with Him. I've not lost that love. I feel like a kid. I said, Lord, I, ne- I know I'll grow up and, and some of my naivety will drop off as I do ministry over many years, but I never want to lose this childlikeness. I want, to keep, I want to keep something in my heart that just is reserved for pure naivety, pure childlike naivety. And I'm 52 years age and, and I think to date I've done that. She's like, wow. Oh my gosh, God, you're so good. And again, I've mentioned before, I've experienced a lot of disappointment in ministry. But wow, by the Spirit of God, haven't lost the wonder. Don't lose the wonder. Sean, don't lose the wonder. Jordan, you've been married just over here. Don't lose the wonder of marriage. Don't lose the wonder of who your husband is. He's a beautiful young man called of God. You'll have moments, but don't lose the wonder. Stay on your honeymoon. So I tell every married couple, just stay on your honeymoon. Stay in love. This is your moment. If you're sitting next to your husband or wife, squeeze their hand. Not too hard. Not like, uh, just, just, just. As kingdom citizens, we get to serve Him. So when it gets hard, don't give up. That's usually the first thing to go. It's church attendance, it's serving, it's giving. That may bring temporary relief, but it's not true freedom. You may feel born again, 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 again. You may, you may feel like that, but it's not true freedom. It's not the freedom Paul was talking about. It's the freedom that Paul spoke against. See, freedom isn't the absence of hardship. I want you to get this. It's the presence of God. We're trying to run away from things when we should be running to someone. When it gets hard, don't run away from that thing, run to God. 
One thing I love about my 2016, as crazy as it was, I got God. That's all I can tell you. I don't have a lot of answers for 2016. It's 2021 and I still don't have a lot of answers, do we, Danny? We don't. Why this person had to die? Why I had to almost die? Why I had a blood infection? Why my wife had to cancer scare? Why, 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 why? Why, Greg? Why? I still don't have a lot of answers to that. But you know what I did? One thing I can categorically 100%, 1000% tell you is this. I got God. I had God at the beginning of the year, but I had a deeper revelation, understanding of God at the end of the year. And so I look at 2016 with a fondness. I said, wow. And I'll never forget December 31, 2016, bawling my eyes out as I'm walking around the place. I said, Jesus, never let me forget this year. Never let me forget the closeness. Never let me forget the revelation. Never let me forget the intimacy. And I felt at that moment, I'm right back where Jesus wants me, with Him. He's not the God of the comfort, but He's the God of comfort. And I've mentioned four things. What I don't want you to hear, because I know we're wired differently. You know, the Martha's in the room, okay, so now I've got to do this, these four things, new conditions, no, no. This message today is not about abiding by the rules. This is about abiding in Him. When you abide in Him, you'll do things out of that. May our service, may our church attendance, may our giving of our finances, may all of those disciplines that are involved and wrapped up in the Kingdom of God, may they be on the foundation of love. In view of God's mercy, we offer ourselves, not because we have to, because my pastor said, no, 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 don't give your life to me. Don't you give your life to this church, give your life to Jesus. And when you give your life to Jesus, He'll never let you Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.